Hi everyone, welcome back to the channel and or podcast, wherever you may be watching or listening from. This is Vocal Arts. I just had the great pleasure of speaking with Alex Seaver, aka Mako. Such an incredible artist. He's written a lot of the music for the show Arcane. He has worked with League of Legends. He's worked with Riot Games. He was actually just, you know, a couple weeks ago before we chatted in South Korea performing his music at the League of Legends World Championships, which is essentially the Super Bowl of video games if you're not in that world. He has worked with artists like Sting, like Imagine Dragons, Woodkid, B. Miller. As an EDM producer, he worked with Kill the Noise and Illinium, and he was even an opener for David Guetta on tour. Absolutely incredible, and this is all coming from a classical background, so we were really able to connect over all the classical training as well as all the EDM production, two things you guys know that I'm all about and absolutely love. And you know, his experience and his journey and his his mastery of all these different genres has really culminated with his work on Arcane, and we will get to hear him as well. All his music he has done for Arcane Season 2, which is coming out in November of 2024. Probably going to try and get him back on the show leading up to that. But guys, please put your hands together for Alex Seaver. What's up, everyone, wherever you are watching or listening from? I am here with Alex Seaver, a.k.a. Mako, and I'm actually going to pass the baton over to him and let him give a little brief introduction as to who he is and what he's up to these days. What's up? Thanks, Peter. Uh, my name is Alex. I also go by Mako. Um, songwriter, producer, um, wannabe singer every once in a blue moon. Uh, <laughs> nervous to talk to a singing extraordinaire right now, but uh, really excited to be here. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. So you you just got back from being at the Worlds for League of Legends. So what what were you doing over there, and how did you get involved with them? Yeah, so Worlds uh, was this year in Seoul. Um, for for people that have no idea what this is, which is most people in my <laughs> life that I have to explain this to, um, video <laughs> games are really, really big right now. They've been big for a little while. Um, and there's one in particular called League of Legends uh, that's maybe like the top of the pecking order. And uh, there's a competition for this thing very similar to like the Super Bowl that happens every year. That's the best two teams face off uh, in, you know, a winner take everything kind of match. Um, and they fill out a stadium for these things. It's really, really crazy to even comprehend being our age, probably growing up with video games the way we did, uh, you know, what they've become. But uh in addition to this amazing, you know, feat of athleticism and like skill that goes on with these players, they host this big opening ceremony that features a lot of uh, music, original music, uh, and music written for the video game, which I've been a part of pro for probably like seven or eight years. And then, uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, one of the songs that they performed was uh, kind of a surprise moment where we performed this this piece called Rise, which is something I wrote, I guess, five years ago. Uh, and so I ran on stage to, to clown around for a little bit and, and perform the song. That's so cool, man. You're over there. I mean, you get to work with some of the biggest artists in Asia, right? I mean, some of the really big K-pop artists especially seem like they're featured a lot in League of Legends music. It was actually my first time working with a, a K-pop artist. We, we've done a lot of collaborations at Riot Games. Riot owns uh, League of Legends, um, or I guess they develop it. Uh, 
but it was my first personal experience getting to work with uh, a K-pop act. In this case, it was an artist called New Jeans, uh, and it's it was fun. It was great. Um, it's a different like music landscape. Like the way that their industry functions and and puts out music is is uh, new and different. Uh, but it was really cool. I mean, it's crazy to be out there too, especially in Seoul with maybe one of the biggest K-pop acts. Seeing them do their thing, it's just fun to watch the spectacle of it. Yeah, that's that is so cool, man. I saw a couple clips of you. When you got out on stage, everyone goes nuts because because Rise, I mean, that was that was the world anthem back in 2018. Right. So that's become yep. like a household song in that community, I'm sure. Yeah, I yeah, it's weird because uh, we make music for video games and in that world, things are so big. But video game music and video game culture is still kind of this thing that's its own little side, you know, experience and extravaganza going on. So it's always a kind of difficult to know like how big any of these things are but when you're in a stadium like that you really reckon with like oh man a lot of people care about these things uh and we care about them desperately when we're making all of them so it's kind of a a really nice celebration of like holy cow like all this stuff that we've been working on for so long means something to somebody um even if i still have to explain to my parents what that is (laughs) yeah well it's so funny it's online there's you know this astronomical number of people you can reach so all these all these songs get you know hundreds of millions of streams which is it you know our minds can't even comprehend how many people that is and how many streams that is but to actually see even a, a tiny fraction of that audience in person makes it so impactful. You're like, oh my God, how many people are in the stadium? It's, you know, 50,000 or whatever. And like, oh, that's only a tiny bit of the people who've actually heard the song, but it's it's a ton of people. And yeah, that's a really, really um, good point. Uh, and especially like for, for, for those of your audience that make music out there, it's weird. Like you're interacting with numbers all the time, like you're saying, and it's all just so abstract. And you only get maybe a couple touch points throughout a year, if you're lucky, where you can even like catch a quick reference of of what those numbers are and who they are and who's listening um and i mean I, i'm talking to you as you have this successful youtube channel where you're probably looking <laughs> at numbers all day long like it's it's so wild how it, it all functions it's amazing because your outreach is just like exponential like the amount of people that you can access um compared to you know how we we started which is like in concert halls and stuff like that like there's yeah. kind of a cap on how many people can can hear what you're doing and now it's kind of like unlimited but with that comes a very strange relationship to that audience because you're not seeing them most of the time totally i've tried lately i've been working on kind of separating myself from the analytics like still checking them all the time treating it more like a business i suppose yeah. and i think it's really healthy because i do still you know, perform opera professionally. And I thought, I think it's really healthy to have one foot in that live performance genre where you really get to see the people interact in real time, you know, in a real space, as opposed to, you know, doing like a YouTube premiere where it's cool and people show up and people are going there, people are excited in the chat, but it's totally different than having that mm-hmm. in-person experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's why it's, it's exciting to talk to you is because we both have kind of a weird and look at, at both of these worlds and how they interact. But I think you have a really healthy relationship with it. Um, and I have a lot of colleagues that, you know, people can really like live and die by the numbers that they get fed back to them. And I'm guilty of it all the time. Uh, and it's kind of hard to uh, to stay focused and kind of, especially if you're like trying to do something that's interesting or a little bit, you know, like off the beaten path. Uh, and you have just numbers staring you right back in the face, like, Hey, this isn't good, and you just have to be able to like be honest with yourself. Like, okay, it's it's hmm. not all about, you know, the critical mass that you can achieve on everything. Yeah. And the numbers aren't you. That's oh. what. That's God, what I've why been... did that just that just hit me in the heart right now? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, I, I do like a I do like a uh, usually a sunrise walk and a sunset walk around my mm. neighborhood and just like think about all these things. And a few and a few weeks ago, I was like, I was feeling like the numbers were impacting me more and more, like the more, the bigger they get and the more the following grows, the more it feels like the performance of these videos is actually me. And I was like, wait a second, like these numbers have nothing to do with me. And so I like the last few weeks, I've been really working to kind of regain that, you know, internal validation. And if, and if a video flops, just be like, whatever, like I, whoever's watching is still getting value from it. I got value from doing it right it doesn't matter and then the next video does well um it's been it's been a really healthy journey just over the last few weeks trying to make that switch 
Yeah, sometimes I wonder if like musical people and creative people are are decently suited to kind of f- hit that realization you just described because so much of what we do is like you know over identifying as our art form and as the craft that we're doing. So like taking criticism for performance, even if it's a live performance, can hit extra deep. So I think like a lot of kind of coming of age in these fields means really understanding how to kind of decouple yourself. I mean, we take so much pride and and we do assign so much of our identity to these things because we love them so much and because we're celebrated for them. Uh, But there are times when that that energy is just completely self-destructive and just for survival, you have to to learn how to push pause on that kind of thing. And, and interacting online is exactly the same. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So how did you originally get involved with Riot Games and then League of Legends? I, uh, I, I was, I think this is like maybe mid 2010s. I, I had an artist project at the time. I mean, it's still called Mako, but it kind of began as a DJ project. Um, and I had a partner named Logan, um, and I was just noticing online, like people would follow me on Twitter with this riot games handle. Um, not for any particular reason. They just listened to our music. Uh, and, and I've always been dying to get back into the kind of like film scoring hybrid space. And I love video games and I love fantasy worlds of all kinds. And so I just started DMing some of these kids back, like, hi, can I come meet you and explain that I need to actually write music for you guys? Um, and this is a, a you know, so long ago that riot wasn't really this like whole music like juggernaut that it's become it was just a game company that had a lot of talented people in its offices that were interested in storytelling and interested in music um and it was a really exciting it still is but back then it was a really exciting open place to just play um and the whole kind of ethos there is just doing things like as authentically and like as passionately as possible and it's filled with people that just want to make great art uh and the leadership there's gives gave us all free reign to do this stuff so we just started poking around at these original songs usually for like they'd release a new champion like a new character in the game so that would have a music video moment that they'd put together um and there's a few staff composers there i think there's probably like eight to ten now but back then there was maybe four uh some of the most talented people you'll ever meet and i just bonded with them so quickly and we started making songs and then you know, one thing leads to another. People really like those songs, so now they start to expect more songs, and then all of a sudden, now we're probably releasing, like, I don't know, 20 songs a year throughout all the different IPs that they have. That's amazing. I, I've watched the documentary Bridging the Rift. I think it's one of oh, the... Oh, yeah. I think it's one of the most amazing documentaries to see how Arcane came together, and it was really cool to see how Riot Games, yeah, just started branching into music, and people were like, what are you talking about? How can a yeah, video I mean, that's company... another example. Like, we we were making music, and that was kind of small potatoes, but like a full blown nine episode narrative. <laughs> I mean, it, for for people that haven't seen Arcane, I, I was I pushed it on everybody just because even if I had nothing to do with it, it's just one of my favorite things um, to have come out in the last couple of years. Uh, and it's just like the fact that that could get created under a video game company umbrella, I think, is a is a really cool sign about how unique this company is and and how much power like the video game sort of audience can have when they really get behind something yeah i think i think i truly think arcane is one of the greatest shows ever made i mean i remember watching pretty soon after it came out and at, at the the last 20 minutes of episode three was like the most powerful thing i'd ever seen yeah. on television i'll never forget the feeling i like couldn't breathe i was like crying and i couldn't breathe it was the most it was the most like visceral experience ever and that show has has remained i mean i'll i try not to rewatch it constantly but i'll re <laughs> i'll rewatch it a couple of times a year cuz i just think it's absolutely brilliant yeah it's funny with that that scene you mentioned at the end of episode 3 was like one of the earlier things that our showrunner christian um had showed me and uh i couldn't really i watched it and i was really upset like i got so upset by that that moment <laughs> yeah um, and they wanted me to do the uh, Alex Temple, my co-composer. He he's kind of like the boss of the score, so he'll assign me which things he wants me to write music for. Um, and that was a me assignment, and I couldn't I couldn't open it for like a while. I mean, I I really like delayed on making that one because it was like so hard to watch. Absolutely brutal. The final moments of that episode, <laughs> absolutely, and it's it's brutal every time. You know, it's coming. You're like, oh, here yeah. it comes. It's crazy. But that song, I mean, Goodbye, it's it's so 
perfectly fitting for that moment. And I think Ramsey's voice is a perfect, totally. it's just a perfect match for that scene. So how did you, how'd you go about writing that and how, choosing, did you get to choose Ramsey as the, as the main feature for that? Um, that was probably the strangest of all the songs because it came together in this weird fortuitous way where rewind to like, I don't know, 2014 or so when we were very, very at the very beginning stages of learning how to write songs for this game. I had written goodbye back then as a music video concept for these two champions. The story never came out. Um, but it was just this piece that I'd written about two brothers, like torn apart by war just like a theme that glued over perfectly and like I was describing I was having such a difficult time even entering into this episode three moment in Arcane because it was so painful uh and I was just scrolling through some of the stuff I had done that never came out and I, I always really liked that song and so I sent it over to Christian and he was kind of like yeah this works great I mean I might have flipped one lyric it just kind of like worked so beautifully um and christian was the one that was like ramsey is the singer he i don't know where he pulled that out of his back pocket but he was like that's the voice of powder at this phase and i was like great and then met her and she's the best super lovely and just crush it that is amazing man so 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 cool so you'd been working for riot and league of legends for a, a while when arcane came out did you think that you'd be this involved with it? Or was it like a really pleasant surprise that they were like, we want you as one of the main music writers for this show? It was funny, like Christian and Alex Temple, they'd been working on it for a couple of years and I didn't even know it existed. This was very like under lock and key, um, as are many things at Riot that are just getting developed in like a wing, an airplane hangar <laughs> of this campus where you're like, you can't go over there. I can't tell you why. <laughs> Um, and so they pulled me into a room and played me like a finished pilot. Like that first episode was done. Um, and Alex Tempo had gone up to Skywalker Ranch in San Francisco and recorded an orchestra already. Like they were they were cruising. Um, and Christian had asked if I could just work, you know, work on the orchestra score with Temple, which is something that I had always dreamed to, to do. Um, and I was like, hell yeah. Um, the whole song aspect of it didn't come into fruition for quite a while. And it's kind of funny because it's probably the thing that I, I do the best or I'm the most useful for those guys is songwriting at this point. Um, but they didn't need, they didn't want, ask me to do that. They just wanted me to do orchestra stuff. So I was happy as could be. And then I think, uh, maybe a few months into it, Christian was like, let's do one song for every episode. Um, and I don't know. There wasn't a big formal thing. It was just kind of like, Alex, start start cooking. And, you know, me and Sebastian, um, one of the amazing producers at Riot and Alex Temple, we just kind of forged ahead on all the orchestra stuff and all the song stuff and kind of, I guess, invented this, this little musical world that became Arcane. Um, and I... I it, it turned into an intentional kind of thing. Like we knew what we were doing about halfway through, but the first couple of songs were like, what order do we do this stuff? Like there's animation. So we can't just write a song and send it to them because they've already started working on this. So we're like film scoring this thing into place, um, which is one of the hardest things you could do. Like try and do what a pop song has to do, but also function over picture the way that film score does. Um, and so in some respects, we kind of felt like the only people that could really like do this thing because we had like film scoring chops and pop music chops at the same time. Um, and I, I think like partway through, we were like, man, this is probably the most fun. This is the, the, my favorite project I've ever worked on because it's really tapping into like everything I've ever learned along the way and all the things I love. Um, and it's just fun to kind of reflect on it now because we're deep in season two and it's like a whole other thing <laughs> when we're like, all right, now we think we know what we're doing. So we're going to try all this weird, crazy <laughs> shit that we didn't try in season one. Um, but yeah, back then we were just running and gunning. We were just trying to make this story as good as it could possibly be. Man, I, I think that the music is it's so unique. And I love in the documentary they talk about how how unique the approach was to writing it, like how much the the show and the music is bonded and creates like this synchronicity between it. And I love my personal favorite thing. And this is something I've been into forever is the, the combination of orchestration and electronics mm. and how that, and like you just said, that really brings your background in as an EDM producer. And you're able to create these kind of like almost like quasi dubstep 
sounds and synths and incorporate that in with the you know totally raw recorded orchestra up in san francisco and how it just becomes this super unique you know old world new world blend of music that i personally have never heard before in a show or really anywhere yeah it's i mean that's probably why it's my favorite project is that i love the or i mean i've never really like left the orchestra world even though i it's been a while since i've like performed as a classical musician but that's like that's my favorite thing and that's uh the rest of our favorite things but then we're just deeply in love with making records now like it's just fun it's fun to make songs um and i think what you're hinting at with arcane is really credit to christian and credit to the amazing animation studio that puts it together they really set the the tone of just make this as good as you can possibly make it it's a pretty rare now that i'm like have been doing this for probably like five or six years with arcane like it's a rare experience that we you get the ability to like work with such talented people and just have the time to make something so great um not many other shows have the this the long schedule that we get um and so i think everybody really sees it as like this responsibility to just like do everything as good as you can possibly do it um and the people leading us are just great like i I can't say enough good things about it but i think like it's what happens when everybody's firing on all cylinders and also like lifting each other up um and i've taken on a much more sort of like leadership role in the soundtrack for season two and it's just like collaborating in paris with with the team at fortiche is just the best because you know you can be like guys, I, can you give me a little bit of something here so that I can make this music moment and then I can be in service to them like in any number of ways to just make the storytelling better, make this moment hit harder. Um, I, I think everybody, everything rallies around the storytelling. Like the characters are so great and so deep um, and the animation that, that you know paints them is so beautiful that all you got to do is just make that as good as possible. Awesome, man. So, I mean, you've got this background in classical music. Did you have much experience actually writing for orchestra before this show only a little bit you know i i was a horn player at conservatory and i i was kind of falling out of love with that at the same time i was falling in love with writing music for the first time i i wasn't trained as a composer but you know you spend enough time in orchestras you you start to you know how it all works um and so i was doing a lot of like orchestra music on my own in college and then moved out to Los Angeles right after and was just hacking away trying to figure out how to how the hell to pay rent um, and work as a film composer um, and it's very hard it's super crazy to try and uh, break into to these industries they're so competitive um, and at that time when you're in your early 20s you don't have a lot that really sets you apart from anybody else um, and you're just trying to do something that a bajillion other people are trying to do and so I think that's how kind of the weird slide happened into electronic production songwriting these kind of fields that I never paid any attention to or cared about uh, but started noticing like oh those are ways to kind of get your foot in the door like other composers don't know as much about production or pop production um, and then most producers that I met didn't know how to write songs. That was sort of left for songwriters. And so it kind of uh, on accident, I just started stumbling into all these different little side fields that have ended up becoming some of my favorite things and some of the things I'm, I'm probably better at than just film scoring or French horn playing or whatever. Um, and then it kind of all ties together. I, I guess that's why I probably won't be able to stop talking about arcane is it just ends up using all of those things that you learn along the way. Um, but I'm sure you have so much to say about this too, but it's just like that, that phase of post-college trying to, you know, interact with the professional world for the first time. They don't prep you for it in school. Like they they really don't. don't, they don't get you started. So I think those of my colleagues that have done really well are the ones that just kind of fanned out and started, you know, playing around in some, some unexpected fields and tying it all together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can absolutely relate. I mean, for a long time, I wanted to be a big festival DJ producer. Oh, wow. I, really? Yeah. No shit. And I used to, I used to make Hell a lot there. of electronic music. Um, started when I went to school in Miami as a class, I went for classical voice and then I yep. went to ultra music festival and I was like, yep. Oh my God, <laughs> this is unreal. I have to learn how to make this stuff. So from like 2013 to 2017, 2018, I was producing a lot of music and DJing all over college and some other like small professional things. 
Um, and then right at the end of college, I kind of turned back to opera and that re-became my kind of main performance art. But man, I mean, I, I, I love EDM. I love the dubstep stuff. And I wanted to tie this in because um, Kill the Noise is one of my favorite. Yeah. Absolutely one of my favorite producers ever. Yeah, mine too. Absolutely incredible. I was just watching his live at Red Rocks and I was in the chat and I was like, hey man, have you talked to have you talked to Alex in a while? He's like, We haven't talked in a while, but that man is a genius. So I um, wanted to throw throw that throw that at you from from Kill the Noise. I, I love his work so much, but also he's probably like one of my favorite like humans that I, I follow. The funny thing is we've never met in real life before. We've just kind of been like internet buds. But uh, I just I like the way he thinks. I like the way he like is in the world. I just I really look up to him a lot. Um, he's he's an all timer for me. Um, but yeah, like what that guy can do to sound is criminal. It's insane. That's where he he is my inspiration for like all the you know bass growls and wobbles and stuff oh. that I used to use in my music. It was like oh, that's awesome. How can I sound like Kill the Noise? Yeah. <laughs> super cool um so how did you get to work with him and i think uh well this is funny because i had reached out to you and then i was listening to kill the noise and then i recognized your name on the track with Elinium, and i was like that's the same guy like i had i had no idea that you came from that world so how did you get involved with kill the noise and and Elinium? yeah that one was um Elenium reached out to me um we've i've always been a fan of his since the beginning um and i'm a little older than him so i think like he was like probably coming up listening to random stuff that uh, a bunch of us were doing in that sort of like 2010s range um but he just said hey what's up love your work like let me know if you ever wanted to do anything and i was like yeah obviously um <laughs> and this is this is a earlyish elenium it's not like now he's just this thing that that is this amazing spectacle that's inevitable and huge but i think back then he it was like that fun space of like he's really bubbling but not necessarily like selling out stadiums um and i just sent him um some vocals and he was like i like this one a lot and then he disappeared for a while and came back and was like hey could kill the noise be on this and i was like yeah that's fine with me <laughs> like love love kill the noise yeah. um and then it just came together it's weird like uh dj well and you know this like it's it's hyper collaborative like it's very different than film scoring which is a lot more you know of like a solo solo experience um but then sometimes you'll make pieces with people and never meet them like we didn't have a studio session i just made this vocal sent him the stems and then a couple months later a song came out um so it's it's there's not a ton of story to it but it was just like a real joy to be a part of something with those two guys who i love so much so they really featured you as a soloist and it was kind of them two heading on the production part of it yeah that was me in singer songwriter mode um which is just like, you know, for every project, I'm just wearing a different hat. And sometimes I need to be producer guy and sometimes I'm not needed whatsoever. So I think that's one of the fun things about my work life now is that I just enjoy like taking on a different role for each thing. Cool. Did you ever do any DJing at the at the festivals or venues, stuff like that? Yeah, I think probably about 2012 onwards is when I, me and Logan were doing our thing. Um, we played Coachella. We got to play Lollapalooza. Um, you know, I, I got to do a lot of really fun shows. I did a, a tour opening for David Guetta across Asia. We did a couple of dates, um, played in Saudi Arabia, you know, a really fun, like amazing kind of five years or so where I was hitting it hard. Um, and then I, I had transitioned from DJ, DJ vibes into kind of a, more of a band, like a, an electronic band outfit. And then I did a, a run or two with like on the bus, like going to, you know, small rock clubs across America, kind of the thing and really like roughing it, that sort of experience, uh, which was the hardest shit ever, uh, but really, really fun. Um, and I was going to do another tour um, with Lindsey Sterling and then COVID hit. And that kind of was like ended my my live run, um, which I I never want to say like is over, like I really want to make another album and, and do another proper tour but it's getting harder now it's like the the you know studio where it keeps piling up yeah i figure i figure arcane and riot and league has got to be taking up basically all your time at this point yeah it's really like that arcane thing is is massive and <sighs> i think like it's such a once in a lifetime kind of project that 
I just want to submit all of myself to it. Like I just I want to be able to get on the other end of the second season and be like I left everything on the court. Um, so I just sort of paused the rest of my work life while I'm just trying to make this thing as good as possible. And then, you know, I think they announced it's coming out in November, next November. Um, so then I think after that begins, like, whatever the next phase of life is, which I have no idea. I love it so much, man. <laughs> they're just, they are, it's like you said earlier, they're such great characters. Oh, yeah. And you're just, I feel like I'm just rooting for everyone when I watch the show. You know, yeah, that's what I love happening. about. I love that in my in my favorite shows is like you can see from every character's perspective, like the villains, everybody. You're like, ah, oh, I can see where this person's coming from. Absolutely, hundred um, percent. So, getting into season two, you mentioned you're kind of approaching the music a little differently than you did for season one, and being more like experimental. Yeah, like it's we're doing a lot of songs. Um, it, we're, we're flexing really hard in certain areas where it was like, man, we thought we could film score songs in season one, like check out what this is, like really going hard. We're also experimenting with the, you know, order of events of the process. Um, on some spots, we're trying to get the songs done so early so that we can give them to Fortiche so that they're creating edits around the music so that it's not quite as difficult to kind of plug it all in. Um, it's also like one of those things where we there's so many talented writers out there that we want to get more other people involved. So it's not just me writing a bunch of these songs, but like great new voices coming into the arcane world. But now that we understand how to protect them from the psychoness that is like the film scoring aspects of this thing, um, guiding them through and, and kind of like letting them make their art and then helping them kind of like plug it in. Um, so it, it's not so much that like we figured out one new way and we're doing it that way. We're just kind of fanning out and trying a bunch of different new things that we didn't try in season one. Um, but all under that same umbrella of like, make the story as good as possible. Awesome. And you had said you guys, you guys kind of split up the work, um, different than the EDM collaborations maybe. And so it's, um, you'll get a song, someone else will get a song. You'll get a song. Someone else will get a song kind of like that. The songs, I guess I'm trying to think about it. Like, I'm so they asked me to executive produce the soundtrack for season two. So I'm kind of looking after all the songs, and Temple looks after all the score. Um, and God bless Temple. I've been so busy on the songs. He's trying to get me like, hey, can you come do a couple of cues, please? But he's the boss of the score. And then for the soundtrack, we have this wonderful team that includes, you know, A&Rs and like coordinators and legal folks. So like our, our the soundtrack we've been calling it, which is all those songs, is kind of its own operation. And I, that's a little less like this person does this one and this person does this one. It's, it's more like, okay, is Alex going to write the song to kick us off or are we going to fan out to the music world and, and find some people to write it that's kind of like the first phase and then from there it's usually just finding a demo that does what our showrunner needs and then at that point it's okay they're happy who's going to do that who's going to perform this song um and that could take months and months to even figure out who we want and who who's good and who's down to really scrap and make the thing great with us. Um, in some cases, the artist already wrote the song themselves, so they get it. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's a whole bunch of different kind of ways that, that the journey of one song moment can go. Was that the case for enemy? Did imagine dragons take that and write it? I, that was funny. Cause that one was, it existed like before I even kind of showed up on the team. Um, I, I met with Dan and um, his his people at Interscope and Christian, and he just played it to us for the first time. Um, and it's Dan Reynolds. He's like, you know, <laughs> world-class writer, performer. Um, so you're just sitting there in the room like, yeah, you just played me a hit song. Like, there's not much to say here. Like, this thing's done. So that one didn't really get made in the same kind of process that we all created. That was made in its own vacuum. But I, I don't really know much about the story of how that one came to be. I was just very psyched that it existed. Um, and it made for a great, you know, main theme. And, and obviously, that that record has done so well, too. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing how well it fits if it wasn't written specifically Dan, for this show. Dan has a special quality to him because I, I deal with this a lot when we write these world's anthems, which is like contemporary music is not really that larger than life right now, the way it was in the 2010s. 
um, it's a lot more, I mean, there's a lot more hip hop influence, but then like the melodic music is a lot calmer and more personal and, and smaller. And so Dan has just been this beacon for a lot of us at Riot because what he does is larger than life. Like it's baked into his DNA. He can't help himself. Um, and so the pairing with anything with, with Riot is always such a no brainer with him. Um, but yeah, like it was great to meet him and like get to get a chance to like see how he is too, because he's just this like massive gregarious <laughs> man that's giving everyone bear hugs and just like going for it. He's a passionate dude. <laughs> that's so cool, man. Yeah, he he and Imagine Dragons are some of my favorites. I got I saw them live in Albuquerque a couple summers ago. It was it was so cool to go see them do their thing for real. I had never seen that's them awesome. live before. I don't. I've never seen them live either. Yeah, I would love to do that. You've just gotten a bear hug from him, but yeah, <laughs> just gotten a bear hug. That's right. <laughs> so, well, actually, what songs did you take on from the first season? First season, I was on Goodbye, um, and I was on Playground episode one, um, and then I did Guns for Hire, the Wood Kid song, um, What Could Have Been, the Sting song. Um, there must be one more. God, you start to forget all these after a second. Misfit Toys with Pusha T, of course. Um, and that was my that was my lineup. I think I was on five of them. That's incredible. And you get, you got to did you get to work with all these artists in person in studio? In some cases, like it was. This is COVID time, so it was weird. Like got to meet and work with Sting for three sessions, but it was like, you know, he's just got his phone on his music stand and I'm just talking to a, a little Sting on Zoom. Um, I ended up getting to meet everybody and, and hang out and celebrate with them in the months following the release, but like, it was all made in this weird COVID-y sort of way. Um, Woodkid is like, I'm his number one fan. Like, I was just really a Woodkid fan for years leading into it. So... Um, that one was trippy just because it was like trying not to fangirl out too hard on him, um, while he, while he did his thing. Um, but yeah, like this season, season two has been a lot more fun. Cause I get to actually like be in all these studios with all these people. Man, I cannot wait to hear what you guys have come It's cool. With. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited about this one. <laughs> Gotta wait till November. Yeah. So we got like a year, <laughs> we got like a year to wait around for it, man. That's wild. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, what was what did it feel like to be at the premiere of the show in those first three episodes? I mean, how electric was it? Was everyone terrified? Was everyone super excited? I imagine some mix of both, probably. Yeah, like when I was I, I just remember working on the first season, like I wasn't really aware yet for a long, long time. Like, is this show even good? Because also, you know, when you're working on the music, you're just I'm zipping over to episode seven and now I'm doing a thing in episode four. Like, I'm just not really like experiencing the thing that often um, in real time. And so it was like a month or two before the premiere. They just gave us a finished screener of everything. And I just sat down one one night and watched all nine episodes. And I was just like, oh wow like i think this actually might be a good show like i really didn't it didn't sink in until then um and i think the fun thing about doing stuff at riot is the like there's a ton of nerves because the audience is so huge for all the things that we do there and the if they hate things like your life gets miserable for a while <laughs> but being on a team that's as big as arcane i think it was just like it was just lovely because we all just kind of believed in this thing and enjoyed it so much um and nobody was expecting anything too it didn't exist before and so i think it was just fun to like kind of drop this thing off um into the world when nobody was asking for it um so there wasn't a lot of nerves it was just like a lot of joy and i i think the the feeling of like proudness was just i don't know that i was i was on a cloud for those couple months when it it first came out because it was just like as fun as it was to make it then it was even more crazy to see people react to it and and especially when people have such a like an emotional and a passionate relationship with something that that you also do uh it, you just feel a bond it's just like a bond with the with the community and with the people that made it um it's weird going into a season two like so many things when there's like an expectation it's a whole other energy um, and also when you're making something and you're having a dialogue with your own past self, like, all right, how does this relate to that one thing I did 
five years ago on season one. Um, all that energy is like new and you got to learn how to maneuver around that and use it positively and not get distracted by it. Um, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of nerves going into season two, but similarly, like we just, we're really doing what we believe in and, and so far it's turned out pretty good, I think. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it is kind of amazing how long it has been stretched. Like it, like it takes so much time to put these shows together with the animation and all the music working so cohesively. Cause you said, they had been working on it for years before you got involved and then you know between season one and season two is an even shorter time i'm sure than the build-up to season one and it's still like a three full years between release of season one and season two yeah it's a weird time capsule um it goes by fast but i think the other really fun thing is like just this explosion of, of really wonderful animation across like platforms and and all over the place i mean i i don't know i I'm not like a historian of it, but, you know, Spider-Verse really kind of was that first shot across the bow that I think hit everybody of like, oh, man, like adult animation and, and, and like really artful animation. Like there's a space for this and there's an audience for it. Um, and then yeah, I just binged watched Blue Eyed Samurai last night. Um, just loved it. Um, and just, you know, seeing all these things that are that are coming out, you just feel like you're part of this like broader team of like. Let's like make, you know, just great storytelling using animation and using animation as an, a medium of art and and all that stuff. It just feels like you're, you're part of this cool movement of like, oh, man, yeah, this is great that this is all popping off around the same time for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I had never seen animation like Arcane before it came out. This like fortiche specialty. It's so crazy. Like these people are so so obviously talented but their their process is is amazing to watch too you know you go over there and it's it's many many floors of of great animators but it's just like the way that it's sort of previs and and laid out at first and you know art that gets made for it that'll never be seen but that I'm scoring to for years and then there's like these CG models to get put in place and it's clunky. And then there's this like magical phase where everything just gets hand painted over. I mean, I think like every frame is just getting painted over and you just watch these rooms full of people do this stuff and you marvel at the, the like scope of it all and the detail and the care. Um, and then when you get the final animation in, you know, it's usually like a couple of weeks before the episodes do, you're just like floating. You're like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I've been, writing music to this one scene trying to get it right for like a year or two years and now finally like boom it's all come together yeah man that's amazing so you've done two fully original albums at this point right but now it's like world of arcane i feel like you released the second one in what 2020 that was fable that, that sounds right yeah and it seems like that was kind of right at the time when you were really pivoting into basically full-time arcane mode is that right did you kind of wrap that album up and kind of clear that out of the way before you could could go full on arcane those were happening at the same time that was a tough that was a tough life period yeah that was difficult um but i think i was like a year into arcane when i finished fable um challenging stuff to do yeah no kidding and the first one was what four years before that or so I wouldn't even know. Yeah, let's see. 2016, that sounds about right. Okay. Okay, cool. And you had j- trying to get all these timelines in. Was were you working with Riot yet at that point? Yeah, I think our fir- I think our first thing was right around then. Um and so yeah, but you know the the domains weren't as high when it's one world's anthem per year, maybe like another season start song or something like that i mean we work really hard on those anthems and they take a long time but like arcane is basically making your own album each season um but yeah like uh, with with my album fable that was kind of me just being like all right i i am sick of the way the music industry works and i i'm sick of like trying to make things for other people let me just make a record that's like just for me just something i would really listen to um, and it was really, really rewarding, super exhausting. Um, uh, and you know, I, it's probably been three or four years since, and I'm like barely starting to get that itch again of like, all right, let's get back in the tank and uh, try something yeah. like that again. I can definitely hear like stylistically bits and pieces from fable that you can hear kind of in the arcane. That makes sense. Arcane yeah. world. I was just listening to it yesterday. 
I was like, yeah, I can definitely hear, I can definitely hear the influence bleeding in like both ways. Yeah. It's funny. Like people are always, you know, trying to tell you to like find your voice and everything, which is, it's, it's good. It's good advice in that you would ideally like to have a voice, but it's impossible thing to like find. But I think around fable and arcane is like the first time that I've ever actually felt like some of my voice is popping out. Um, and it's just crazy that it takes a decade to even get there. Like it takes so long to, to even know what your, your voice is. Um, and then also to have like some faith to put it out there, um, in the face of all the numbers and things we're talking about. Totally. Uh, But yeah. So what are some career goals, life goals for you? I mean, right now the brain is all arcane. You just said season two and you don't know what's going to be happening afterwards. Yeah, do you have any big ideas, big things you think you might want to tackle in the next, you know, 10 years or so? It's a great question. Um, some of it's I, my, like, course got sort of shaken up by Arcane, um, just because, like, I love that project so much that inst- my goals are now to, like, almost chase more things that make me feel that way, that, that Arcane feels. Just, like, these these wonderful projects that mean things to people. Um, and then this relationship of songwriting and film scoring that that cool melting pot that we've got going has kind of become a brand new beacon for me um there's there's composers and artists out there that i really admire their career i love ludwig Göransson, um and i love trent reznor i i love these kind of people that that move are moving between worlds um both of them are very different in that trent has one of the biggest you know audiences and 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 bands of all time. Um, but Ludwig can make records with Childish Gambino and, and do cool things with Max Martin, but then score this incredible stuff he does with Christopher Nolan and all these films. Um, I like, I like th- that space. Um, but I, I think the, in, in addition to just moving into that space, I think the thing I really want to be uh, specific about is like finding great storytelling and, and great stories and, and working in that, that kind of world. It's, it's weird. Like it's not as clear as like, I want to be, you know, winning Grammys or whatever. It's just like, man, I yeah. want to experience what I just experienced the last five or so years. I want to do that again as many times as I can before I die. Yeah, just just do that forever. Yeah. That's that's really cool. So so it's more you'd rather be doing this big collaborative stuff than maybe going hard on a as a solo career, you think? I think so. Yeah, I just never really had that bug. Like I love making music so much, but especially these days, what it takes to be what I think of as like a good artist is like this righteous cause to be like, I need to be out there on that stage sharing my life with everyone. Um, And I'm just not that dude. Like I, I just don't, I don't really enjoy promoting things at all. I'm fairly private and quiet um on social media and everything um and you know the second i finish a song i just want to make another song i don't really want to go talk about that song for Mm. for a year and and try and work it at radio and all those things um the the one great loss i think is like it is a special thing to be on stage and connected with your audience like people that really love your music and want to see you perform like that thing is there's nothing else quite like that and i i think i'm you know, uh, I don't want to shut that door so aggressively, but everything else that has to do with being an artist is just like, I've got friends that are so good at being artists and you watch them and you're like, yeah, you're supposed to be doing this. <laughs> um, for me, it's, it's really just here in the studio. This is what I love the most. Awesome, man. Speaking of studio, I want to get a, a little, a little in the weeds a little bit. Sure. I'm just, I'm interested in your approach to how you mix, especially the, the big stuff for arcane that has, what I can only imagine is hundreds of layers of sounds and how you come, how you make that clean and how you create enough headspace to have everything heard and all the details there. That is something that, that I, you know, I produced the EDM for years, but I just feel like I never got to like really professional level mixing. And it's always something Mm -hmm. that's really amazed me. Yeah. It's funny. Like I, I think of it as one of my great weaknesses, which is that I just can't make minimal music. Um, and so I, it's just the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, I, I would still describe like mixing is my weakest. Like my ADD just will not hang out long enough to try and make something sound great. So everything you've ever heard from me has been mixed by a professional mixer. So I don't take credit for that. 
but my my creation process in production is is definitely like throwing paint on the wall carving back um mm. i like density i mean we're orchestra guys like i like dense music i like you know like 1900s german orchestration like i like that shit um mm-hmm. so i don't mind density but you really learn that th- there's some bad habits you can have in pop music and and overcomplicated material is one of the big cardinal sins so a lot of my my life is just trying my hardest to carve back from some of the layers um and just finding the things that are most necessary um because i like will write sing and produce certain songs there's just a certain part of the process like maybe 70 percent along the way where i just need to give everything to another producer let him just tinker kind of like sub mix everything for me and then give it all back to me just because I lose perspective so quickly. Um, and so that's kind of been like a pretty consistent pattern for me. Is it about like 70% of the way through a record? I just need somebody else to just touch it a little bit, just get their hands on the ball and then give it back to me and then I'll finish it. Um, so I, I am like the last person that should ever be giving mixing advice, but it's something I think about a lot and it's something I aspire to get better at at all times. And it's really important Um, but you know, I think like a lot of it these days for me is like, ah, can I like spend a little more time on the sound design at the very beginning of a thing so that I'm not caking on layers later on, like making Mm -hmm. things warrant a little space earlier on so that I'm not paying for it later. You know, I'm just always thinking about how can I tinker with the dials of my process just to make, make things a little better, make things a little more interesting with, with less, um, but you know, at the end of the day, I just love big, giant, complicated sounding things too. So you're, you're always going back and forth with those battles. Big, big wall of sound, big wall of sound. <laughs> I mean, the romantic period is my favorite as well. I can't, yeah. I can't get enough. Big, big Verdi is like my, my, there king. you go. It's the yeah. best. It's the best. <laughs> How about vocal editing? Cause uh, vocals are another thing I hear where there's you know, on the on the songs like you hear in Arcane, there's just a quality. There's like it's so it's so clear. It has like this shimmer. You can have all the reverb in the world and it somehow doesn't get muddy. It's like another it's like another Rubik's Cube. I just feel like I haven't solved It's like vocal editing and how to get, how to really put a, vo- a vocal in the right place in a mix. Yeah, I mean, that's probably like a religious tenet for me is like. I spend as much time on vocals as some people might spend on their actual tracks. And and it's a very in pop music, it is the most important thing happening bar none. And every production choice you make should be in service to it, but every amount of care and like intensity should be poured into making sure this vocal sounds as good as possible. Um and a lot of it is obviously the lead vocal, but there's so much work you can do with background vocals and with vocal effects um, and treating those things in a musical way rather than sort of like this setting that you just plop on a thing and you're good to go um, is is definitely like what, where, where I sink a lot of my hours. Like every reverb you're hearing is very carefully automated to come in and disappear at certain moments. Um, background vocals are very intentional and sometimes they're not meant to be heard. It's just a little bit of texture you get to add to a thing suddenly. Um, A lot of this has to do with what I call like song math too, which is, you know, every new section as you pass from a verse into a pre-chorus or pre-chorus into a chorus, you need to have to create this sense of lift of some kind. Things don't need to be more necessarily, but they need to be special and using vocal production and background vocals is a really effective way to create these like illusions of something special happening. Um, because you can, what we we're just talking about density with tracks. If you add more instruments, things just get more complex. You can almost never add too many vocals to a thing. There's just something about the way the ear works where like hearing a wall of background vocals doesn't make something quite as sloppy and messy as adding that same amount of like new sonic instruments. Um, so I really lean on vocal production to do a lot of the heavy lifting so that I don't have to do more things in the, uh, in the production space. But you know, when you do enough songs, you start to learn like when something's not working, why is it not working? Like, can I spend more time on the vocal production? Will that get me there? Uh, maybe it's the songwriting itself. Maybe it is a production thing. Maybe it just needs to get mixed real fast so that it makes sense again. Um, a lot of what we do is just problem solving. And and I think the more you do it, the more you can recognize where you're getting stuck. Um, but I think having, I, I think 
I mean, I don't know what most people feel, but I feel like people undervalue how much work you should put into your vocals. Um, that will do solve so many problems for you that you might experience elsewhere. Awesome. What's your main software you use? Do you, are you an Ableton guy or Logic guy? Logic, yeah. Logic. Cool, cool, cool. I remember for a I always used Ableton for the EDM stuff, and I always use Logic whenever I'm going to be tracking yeah. vocals. They're all much. great. And, like, you know, I, I'm i not on Logic because I think it's the best. It's just, like, what I first grabbed, and I've been too lazy <laughs> to learn anything else. But, yeah, they're all great and, and great at different things, too. Awesome. I'd love to hear this kind of in, like, a real application to one of the songs you've done. Maybe we could talk about Playground a little bit. It's one of my favorites. Sure. And I think you guys and who you were working with on that song did such an amazing job capturing that Undercity feel. And it's just like you're talking about. It's like the, the verses are so compelling, but then you get into the choruses with the heavier drums and there's just more happening all layered in. Yeah, I think it's such a it's it's almost like the choruses are like a drop, but not a drop in the sense of like a dubstep drop. But there's just there's just more hitting. And I think that that song just does it perfectly. So, yeah, maybe how how did you go about like adding these elements for uh, for Playground to create that Undercity vibe? Yeah, that was kind of a classic like Seb Alex joint where he's taken after the track and I'm just looking after the vocal and then we're just sort of mixing in in between and figuring everything out. Um, I think what what makes that that song really cool is uh seb's use of just like metallic sounds as like the drum bed rather than maybe more traditional kinds of drums and that was like a christian directive he was just like make it sound like zon that's a big thing in the show is just like make this either sound like it's coming from the world of piltover or make it sound like it's coming from the world of zon and i think that was one of the first songs we did i mean obviously because it's episode one but it was like introduction into the underworld so what the hell are, is that going to sound like and that's that's a real fun sandbox because you just get to kind of go nuts and seb went crazy on that one um and then you know vocally it's so funny because like all of these songs start as like demos with me singing them that nobody will ever hear <sighs> so we don't know half the time like is it a female or male singer what kind of voice is it um, but I, I just really wanted this like alluring sort of like scary and dangerous, but like sexual and just like I wanted all the things that you're seeing and feeling when you're touring through the Undercity for the first time to just be like visceral and tactile, but sweet, like this siren song at the same time um, with a lot of harmonies and just that kind of like Phrygian chord progression that's a little bit yes. exotic. But, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is just is in there. Um, and, you know when we had it it was weird because you're you only get x amount of screen time where the, the song's in focus and so it was like when i map these out it's like all right if song starts here and we got to be out by there that'll dictate what your tempo is and how much time you want to spend on each section like i don't think we have a pre-chorus in that song i think it's just kind of like a couple verse lines and then we're off to the races so the picture will dictate a lot of those decisions for me um just so that i can make sure that like we get enough of a big moment happening there. And then I think what happens afterwards is what we deal with a lot in the show is like, all right, they want the song to play, but it's got to be like worldized and hidden and sounding like it's coming from inside the last drop, this bar. So now we got to create all these interesting filters and things to make it feel far away. Um, there's just, there's so much that goes into laying these songs in. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like how that one came through. The funny thing is the first artist that we auditioned for this was Woodkid. No way. Yeah. Like, that's how that's how wide we can swing sometimes is that we're like, man, his voice, incredible, exotic, got that. I mean, there's not many, like, bass vocalists in pop music. Like, no, he sings not. low. Um, and he, he, he was down to try it. Um, I think all of us were kind of like, oh, man, maybe, but not quite. And then he heard Guns For Hire, and then we're sort of off to the races. But we started with him, and then we found B. Miller. Uh, she rules. I've been a fan of hers forever. And she knocked that one out like in like only a couple takes. It was crazy. That's so cool, man. That That's one of my favorite. I'm actually I've been beginning back into production lately Amazing. just when I have free time. And so I've been doing these like dubstep bass singer reimaginings. Hell yeah. And I've been doing a lot of arcade music because it's like my, <laughs> it's my favorite stuff. So I, I've, I've done one for Enemy that I actually made like a full music video for. It's my favorite project I've ever done. Oh, amazing. I've got one for Playground that's almost done. Goodbye. What could have been. It's just like, I'm just like gobbling this stuff up and just like, yeah, basically turning them into like heavier dubstepy 
songs with like a bass vocalist. It's, That's it's, my favorite part too. Is like people's uh, covers of the things are amazing. Like you right. see amazing stuff out there, uh, and sometimes there's covers that are like, oh, I wish I did. <laughs> like, I, like that was a better way to do that. Like, where you're like, oh man, that chorus would have been good with guitars there. I think you hear that stuff a lot too. <laughs> let's um, let's dive into this guy Ryan. I'm gonna hit you with some of his questions, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of move towards the end of the chat sound good man yeah yeah cool 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 all right this is the first one from ryan how do you overcome creative hurdles like writer's block or lack of ideas inspiration or stress when approaching deadlines he also says side note i cannot wait for this conversation to go live i'm so excited (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) um great question i mean yeah all of us i think deal with this uh for me it's usually like take some space uh I need like a couple days off of a thing and then I can usually come back and hear it very clearly. Um, so just like giving yourself a little bit of, of room to breathe is so important, especially if you're somebody like me who just goes to war with things. You just got to like ease off the gas every once in a while. Um, I have a small crew of people that are like my main feedback circle who who I trust. Um, very helpful if you're like, all right, I want this song. I, I want to know what this, so- this song sounds like to somebody that doesn't make music. That's a very important feedback you can get. Then I want to send it over to a producer that can be like, I see what you're going for. I think this is where it's working. Maybe you can try this. That's another really important part of the process. Um, and so just anything to kind of keep yourself out of that fog of war that happens when you're living in a song too long is really clutch. Um, I know for myself, I don't really... M- I can only make an idea if I can hear it in my head first, which is a weird thing. Like I can hear the actual song and the chord progression and and like a gesture. It's not much, maybe like a couple bars, but I hear like what this song is supposed to be about. And that's when I know like it's worth working on. I don't usually like wander into the studio with a blank DAW and just like start trying things, but some people do. So I think for me, like taking walks and showers and traveling and stuff will kind of get, get my mind moving um and and that's just for me how how i like to create um so i think like learning the creative animal that you are is just a big part of the process like when are you at your best and when are you not and and you know being able to pull the rip cord when you're at it for too long in the wrong direction awesome very cool all right that kind of answers the second question too when you have a blank canvas in front of you how do you get the momentum going <laughs> right, right do you have an idea or do you expect yeah so we, we cover that um, what are some of the artists and musicians you've you've really enjoyed working with? I'm sure pretty much all of them. Any yeah, there's so many out? great ones. Yeah, I think like like I mentioned Woodkid. I've just been a huge fan of his for so long. I think probably, you know, for people like us, like that cinematic and orchestra marriage with with real good like authentic pop music is is a rare thing. And and just he's always had that. He's also like an incredible filmmaker too. Um, and so I think since season one, we've actually become friends and, you know, been jamming on things. So like, it's, it's just like fun to, uh, to have a music idol and then like sneak in the door and be like, hi, can we make this stuff together? And then actually start to like develop a relationship. It's just been like a really, a really amazing experience. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's so many wonderful, wonderful people I've gotten to work with. I mean, the more time you spend out here, you're like, there's just talent everywhere. And it's, it's big artists, but it's also like songwriters and producers that are behind the scenes. People here. I just adore, um, my like partner in crime, Sebastian at ride is like one of my favorite people to, to make songs with. So yeah, I, I've, I've had so many lovely experiences that it's hard to even single them out, but just recently like getting to jam with wood kids been so fun. Awesome. Super cool. All right. And What's your favorite type of media slash entertainment to enjoy? TVs, movies, video games, books, a little bit of everything. Man, I wish I was like reading more. That's probably like the one spot where I'm like, I haven't read a book in so long. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, games, games, television and movies for sure. I I moved over to Culver City and there's this like Amazon movie theater that just got rebuilt literally across the street um and so i it's so fun to just like catch movies all the time i love seeing things in theaters um i love indie games like i get really inspired by just like singular artistic voices just people that are like putting together a large form project and making it really specific and do a thing and so there's like a lot of indie games that i've played in the last couple years that just like made me feel really excited to go back to work and make stuff 
Um, and then, you know, television, we were talking about how much great animation's coming out right now. That's yeah. a joy to see. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the whole thing. I just got back into reading like two or three years ago. Cause I didn't read. What's it like? <laughs> it's actually so great. I, know, so, I, I mean, at, I at, at, the, at the very least I'll read before bed and nice. I'll read, I'll read fantasy. So right now I'm getting through the Harry Potter books and it's great. It's been fantastic. Love it. Um, and what got me back into reading was the game of Thrones books, the song of ice and fire back in yeah. summer of 2021. I just picked them up. Hadn't really read much since I was forced to in high school and sure. I just couldn't put them down. Could Are not we... put them down. We're not even close. He didn't finish that series, right? No, he has not. He has not finished it. Supposedly, the next one, The Winds of Winter, is supposedly actually going to come out. I think within like the next year or so. So what a wild thing to like make something that the world loves and just be like, no, nah, I'm not going to finish it. Yeah, like one of the greatest, maybe the greatest fantasy story like ever written. I, I remember I, I first discovered those in college and I think there was only three of them at the time and like devoured them. Yeah. Um, and then I might've made it through the fourth one and then I dropped off somewhere in between like the six year hiatus between them. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are, there are five now plus fire and blood, which is like the history <clears throat> of the Targaryens that um, oh, cool. house, house of the dragons based on. I haven't read that one yet. Cause I'm watching the show. I'll read them later. The, yeah. we had a session recently um, with a solo celloist cellist um and this guy cameron he he's the game of thrones cellist um, no way for the main theme it's, it's cool he's like yeah it was this one right here and he's like nice that's the guy that played it <laughs> oh so my cool. god it's like one of the most iconic theme songs ever yeah man incredible all right any advice you have for young singers and producers getting into it like <clears throat> i think the main thing i'm always trying to beat the drum of is like for everybody out there that wants to get into this world, these worlds, like learn a bunch of things adjacent to the thing that you really want to do the most. Just as an example, I wanted to be a film composer so badly, but, and I didn't do this intentionally. I just did it on accident, but I learned how to produce music. I learned how to write songs. I never sang before. So I just kind of learned how to demo my own vocals, which then turned into another thing that I, I, I started to fall in love with. Like, the more of those kind of of a like a diversified little Swiss army knife you can be, um, I think the more new passions you'll discover and the more doors that will be open and available to you. I think this also includes, you know, learning how to be great on social media and interact with technology in new ways. Like that's a given too. Um, I, I just always and, and doing spending time in these other things doesn't take away from your goal of what you want to do it just makes you a way more interesting weapon when it's time when you're like of age to really you know join in the fray um and so like i think i wrapped so much of my identity around one thing for so long that uh you start to realize like that just doesn't make you like an interesting voice it just makes you like one of many people that are trying to do this one single thing yeah Awesome. And any final words to the people watching, the fans, the audience, yours and mine? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I don't know. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having <laughs> me on, Peter. It's a joy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could talk for many hours and I'd love to hear everything about your, what you're doing, too, man. It's it's very, yeah. very cool to watch. Um, and I, I think that th these spaces are great because it's just people that are like really into these fields get to enjoy what you do. And, and uh, you know, it's just dope. But thank you, man. 100% man. Well, I'd love to get you back on maybe sometime before season two drops. We For can sure. continue. That sounds great, man. I'd, lo I'd love to do it. All right, man. It was great. Great chat with you. I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy.